0: You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Real conversation, real connection. It's Real Life with John Cowan on Newstalk ZB.
1: G'day, welcome to Real Life. I'm John Cowan and a special greeting to people who can hear me tonight because of a cochlear implant. It's International Cochlear Implant Day. And that's just incidental, but uh, my guest tonight has also been hugely influential in helping people to hear and understand each other and love each other better. Creator of the five love languages concept, welcome Dr. Gary Chapman.
0: Well, thank you, John. It's good to be with you. Well, I wish
1: you were with me. You're uh, in North Carolina, (laughs) not North Carolina, is it? That's correct, that's correct. Well, it's, uh, it's been a while since you've been out in New Zealand. I do recall hearing you speak when you came here, and uh, the books that you've written and the ideas that you have have impacted me and have impacted thousands. I mean, I've spoken to many authors, but I don't think I've spoken to anyone who's written so many books. Uh, is, how many have you written? Is it 27 was the last count I saw?
0: Well, my publisher told me the other day I've published over 60 books
1: now. So, oh, 60 that list I saw I don't know was, when I wrote those books, <laughs> <laughs> and and translated into more than fifty languages. That's correct. Right, yes. and uh, I should just add to people that uh, uh, these have sold well twenty million or more, and has continuously been on bestseller lists for decades and decades. You must be delighted how an idea that, I don't know, when it came to you in the shower or whatever, whether ideas about relationships have had such a big impact on the world.
0: You know, John, it's been very, very encouraging. The book, of The Five Love Languages, actually grew out of my counseling couples for several years. Mm. They would sit in my office and one of them would say, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me. Mm. And the spouse would say, I don't understand that. I do this and this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? Hmm. So I knew people were sincere, but they were missing each other. Right. So eventually, you know, I just took time to look at my notes for several years and ask myself, when someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me. What did they want? Hmm. What were they complaining about? And the answer is into five categories. Right. So that's where I came up with the five love languages. Okay.
1: And what has been the feedback that you've, I mean, the, the book you've got the feedback of people buying your books, but uh, do you get feedback from people that have embraced some of these ideas?
0: You know, all the time, John, I, I do Saturday marriage conferences, mainly in the U.S., and I will have people come up every Saturday and say to me, you know, Gary, we just want to share with you that book saved our marriage Mm. 15 years ago 20 years ago the book's been out over 30 years now Mm. you know we were at the end of the rope we just felt like it wasn't going to work for us and someone gave us the book the lights came on we realized how we were missing each other in our expressions of love we took the quiz we learned each other's language Mm. and it literally saved our marriage so the feedback has just been amazing
1: Mm. The years. Well, I can tell you that I know personally two couples that would claim that the love languages love languages concept has saved their marriage, and it's been a, a great asset within my own relationship as well. So, um, I know you could speak for hours and well, in, possibly indefinitely on the concept, but <laughs> if you had to give an elevator pitch, a a, a pracy of what the five languages five love languages concept is for our listeners, how would you do it? What would be your? I would
0: say, yeah. I would say basically, as we all have a spoken language, we also have a love language. That is, one of these five things will speak more deeply to you emotionally than the other four. And the love languages are words of affirmation, simply focusing on positive things about them, acts of service, doing something for them. In a marriage, that would be cooking meals, washing dishes and mowing the grass and walking the dog (laughs) and just doing things for them. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love, quality time, giving them your undivided attention. That's conversations where you're listening and talking to each other and then physical touch. And uh, the basic idea is that out of the five, each of us has a primary love language. And if you don't express love to them in their primary language, they will not feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the other languages.
1: Okay, so and if you can't speak that love language that your partner has, can you learn it?
0: Well, I think you. here's the deal. You can learn to speak the language of your spouse. It's an attitude. Now, if you didn't receive words of affirmation, for example, growing up, hmm. yeah, it'll be hard for you to learn how to speak words of affirmation. Hmm. But the good news is, Just as you can learn another language, you know, if you really have a reason for learning it, you can learn to speak your spouse's love language. Now, I've had people say, you know, a guy told me, said, I read the book. My wife's language is acts of service. But I'll tell you and her, if it's going to take my washing dishes and my vacuuming floors for her to feel love, she can forget that. (laughs) And I said, that's your choice. Love is a choice. If you choose to be selfish and say, I will not speak my lo- spouse's love language. You're choosing to be selfish. You're choosing. You're not choosing an attitude of love. So it all comes back to the attitude.
1: Right. Uh, and do you come across couples, are you, are you still counseling, by the way? Are you, I you, am, yeah. You, you still do counseling. Do you ever come across couples where you think they are so far apart, I don't know why they ever got together in the first place, even even this tool isn't going to save the relationship, or do you think that? Yeah. Prop, do you, do, or do you think just about every relationship can be resurrected and saved?
0: You know, I tend to have hope for for all relationships, but you know, if there's been things like physical abuse, you know, it's just gone on and hasn't been dealt with. I mean, you can't. Uh, to those people, I say, look, the loving thing in that situation is to say, "I love you too much to sit here and do nothing." why you destroy me and destroy our children. Mm. So so therefore I'm going to, and you tell them what your plan is. But I also like to say, you know, I'm not going to abandon you. Mm. If ever you are willing to deal with this, I'm willing to go for counseling with you and I'm willing to work on our marriage, but I love you too much to sit here and do nothing. Mm. So I think there is a place
1: for that, to be sure. Yeah, okay. Now, you're, you're a Christian minister, and The Love Languages was born out of your ministry. Is The Love Languages actually a, a Christian idea?
0: I wouldn't say necessarily so. As a matter of fact, I actually wrote the book with non-Christians in mind, because I think humans—humans— humans, have a basic emotional need to feel loved by the significant people in their lives. It's a Mm. part of our humanity. Mm. And so I wrote it with non-Christians in mind. So, for example, I don't include a lot of scripture quotations and those kind of things, you know. Uh, I'm just writing to people in general. Because I think, you know, whether they are religious or whether they're not religious, they're still human Mm. and they still have the need to feel loved. And so many, many, many non-Christians have read this book and found it extremely helpful, which is encouraging to me because that's what I hoped would happen. Right.
1: Congratulations on another birthday. You've had so many of them now. I don't know whether they still feel special, but this was your (laughs) 86th birthday that you just celebrated in January. And um, you're still working. You mentioned that you're doing conferences every Saturday. What else are you doing in, in, in your life?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I went in two years ago to the pastor of the church, the senior pastor, and I said, you know, I've been on this staff for 50 years. And I think after 50 years, I need to get off the payroll. And he said, well, Gary, you are not going to leave us. I said, no, I'll be around and do whatever. He said, look, what if we let you keep your office, keep your assistant and you can do what you want to? I said, "Oh, that'd be wonderful." <laughs> <laughs> so, if I'm in town, I'm still here doing counseling. You know, every day. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm doing more traveling than I was before uh, because I'm I'm not compelled that I have to be <laughs> in the office every day. But I love what I do, and as long as I have energy and as long as the doors are open, I'm going to continue trying to help people with their marriages.
1: Well, that's great. I mean, at 86, you could be excused to just uh, uh, go and do fishing or something like that. So this, this is obviously <laughs> something that gives you a buzz. Absolutely.
0: More, more than fishing, I'm not a fisherman, I'm not a golfer, but I love doing what I do. <laughs> and you're still doing radio? I am. We were on about 400 stations in America. I do. It's a one-hour weekly and then a one-minute daily
1: Yeah. Uh, on about 400 stations, yeah. That's that's an incredible career, and uh, um, you are obviously weathering well. I'm actually watching you on a video screen at the moment. Our radio listeners can't see you, but you're looking remarkably healthy and youthful and everything. You're weathering well. How about the five love languages concept? Is it weathering well? I mean, it was written in, a, in an era and a time, and decades have gone on. It's still holding relevant?
0: It is indeed. You know, there recently there was a, an article put out on some scientific studies that had been done that was trying to say it doesn't work, it doesn't really help people. I don't know what that research was. I don't know how large their group was or anything about that. But I think any time an idea becomes popular, there are going to be people that will be testing it and doing research and all, and that's fine with me. You know, I don't have any objection to that. Uh, But I do know that it will help people. I mean, for all these years, you know, I've been getting feedback uh, that it does help people. And I've used it in my counseling for years. Hmm. So it's not it's not everything when it comes to what makes a healthy marriage, for sure. It's one ingredient, but it's one important ingredient. And that is, you know, meeting the emotional need for love.
1: Hmm. If you've just joined us, my guest tonight is Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the Five Love Languages series of books. And uh, later on, we'll be talking in a bit more about relationships and how to make a loving relationship even better. This is Real Life on Talk ZB. Intelligent interviews with interesting people. It's Real Life on Talk ZB. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm John Cowan, and I'm talking with Dr. Gary Chapman, who's a relationships expert, author of the Five Love Languages series of books, and he's joining me from North Carolina. And uh, that's a lovely song, Unforgettable, by uh, Natalie and Nat King Cole. And um, it's speaking of romantic love, Dr. Chapman, do you think romantic love gets overcooked, that people put too much emphasis on the romantic nature of love?
0: I think people tend to put too much emphasis on what we typically call falling in love or being in love you know that euphoric state when mm-hmm. we meet someone and it excites us because the average lifespan of that aspect of love is two years we come down off that high and uh, this is when the five love language becomes extremely important because we come down off that high now we have to be more intentional in our expressions of love if we're going to meet that need for love. Uh, but I do think we can hardly overestimate the emotional need for love mm. in a marriage relationship or any close relationship, a friendship. You know, you want to feel loved by your friends. So uh, I don't think we can o- overestimate the need for emotional love.
1: Well, if infatuation and that early romantic fizz and bubble burns off so quickly, what do people expect in a good relationship? I mean, uh, is is that it? You just carry on living like uh, you know, uh, good friends. <laughs> what, 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 I mean, what does a good relationship look like?
0: You know, I think a good, healthy marriage. I, I, I've sometimes said there's two essentials to a long-term, healthy marriage. Hmm. One is that we continue to express love to each other in a meaningful way. That is, we're meeting the emotional need for love. Mm -hmm. The second is that we deal effectively with our failures because none of us are perfect. You don't have to be perfect to have a long-term healthy marriage, but we do have to deal with our failures, and that involves apologizing and forgiving. Because when we hurt each other, when we by say things we say or do or don't say or do, we create an emotional barrier between us and the barrier does not go away with the passing of time. Mm. It goes away when we apologize and our spouse chooses to forgive us. Now we can go forward. Mm. So if you have those two things in place, you're on the road, at least to having a good marriage. Now listen, we all know that couples have conflicts, differences of opinion, and some couples never learn Mm. how to solve conflicts in a healthy way. So they end up arguing. Cause he knows he's right. She knows she's right. They try to convince each other. And often they yell and scream at each other. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a, that's not going to be a healthy marriage, but if you learn to respect each other's humanity, that they have different thoughts than we have, they mm-hmm. have different emotions than we have. Listen long enough that you can honestly say, you know, honey, I think I'm understanding what you're saying and I can see how that makes sense. So obviously we disagree. Now how can we solve the problem? Mm and you spend your energy trying to find a solution to your problem rather than trying to win the argument. Uh, I think that's another huge issue in marriage.
1: Now, you mentioned that you're still on the staff of a, of a of a Christian church and that you're a Christian minister, and you're just talking there about understanding other people's points of view. And I guess if you have spent most of your life actually putting good ideas into people's heads and hearts who aren't part of the church, do you still see a place for sort of the Traditional concept of Christian marriage. I mean, I do. Uh, yeah, you're still a yeah, fan. Of, you're still a fan of that traditional idea of marriage.
0: Absolutely. You know, marriage. Marriage according to the scripture is a covenant that we make with each other. That's Just a term like that I God don't think people. A covenant, people.
1: A, a covenant is possibly a term we don't use very much, apart from arranging a fence with a neighbor. What What do you mean by in, in a covenant?
0: Yeah. yeah, I think it's the opposite of a contract. You know, a contract is, I'll do this if you do that. Mm. But if you don't do that, then I'm not going to do this. Mm. A covenant is, I'm committed to your well-being. Mm. I'm here to do everything I can to enrich your life. You have two people that make a covenant like that. They're going to weather the storms. They're going to be looking for answers mm. uh, rather than thinking in terms of, it's time for me to get out of this. Right. And I don't mean that Christians don't divorce. I mean, certainly they do. Uh, but I think when we recognize that the the attitude of service, you know, Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and ultimately give my life a ransom for others. Mm. So if we're true Christians, that's our attitude. You know, we, we're here to serve, not only in marriage. Mm. We're here to serve other people that we encounter. And that's the basic attitude of love. I, imagine, I want to enrich. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I imagine you've been a, a Christian most of your 86 years. What have you learned about God in, in, in over those many, many decades? Has your idea of God changed?
0: You know, I think my idea has not only— uh, my I, I think I would say my idea has grown. My relationship with God has grown. I, I'm much more consciously aware of the presence of God in my life now than I was in the earlier years of my life. You know, I think for many Christians, uh, you know, religion is just— a series of things you do, you know, Mm -hmm. you go to church and you, you do this and you do that, but it's really a relationship. You know, it's not ritual, it's a relationship. And I think that's the aspect of my, my relationship with God that's changed the most, Mm -hmm. just a deepening relationship with God, talking to him about everything. And and also recognizing that he loves me and if he gave me guidelines and said, don't do this, it's because he loves me. If he says, do this, it's because he loves me. Mm. So the, he wants us to have the best possible life on earth. And that's why he has given us you know, guidelines to follow in life.
1: Now, unfortunately, there'll be people listening tonight who are in relationships where it gives them more pain than joy. They have definitely gone past that infatuation stage. They're possibly thinking the only thing keeping me together, keeping us together is the idea that the trauma and expense of a divorce is just unfaceable. What hope would you give a couple where they can barely look at each other at the moment across the room?
0: Well, you know what? Where would they start? Where would they start? Yeah. I sometimes say to them when they sit in my office and share that, because I remember when I had those feelings in my own marriage, and i simply say to them you know i said you know i can understand that you could be where you are and you have no hope so why don't you go on my hope for a while because i have hope for you i believe that we'll just try some things and see what can happen and many many times couples are willing to do that so i i would say don't give up before you at least reach out for counseling and let someone outside of the two of you begin to help you think through what you're doing. I wrote a book some time ago, I don't know if it's available in New Zealand or not, it's called One More Try, What to Do When Your Marriage is Falling Apart. And the starting place for, that I would suggest if they're open to growth, is let's begin by each of you asking yourself, well, I know, I know I'm know i not uh, perfect and I know I haven't done all the things right, so where have I failed in the marriage? And, and make you a list of where you think you have failed. And, and let's begin by apologizing to each other for those things. You see, by nature, we we all believe the real problem is the other person. If they would change, then, I, then, then things would be, be better. And sometimes it is true. They're 95% of the problem. You're only 5%. I'm saying let's start with your 5%. Let's deal with your 5% make an apology, see what happens. They're obviously going to say, well, this is different. All I've ever heard was criticism. Now they're telling me they've failed some things. So that's kind of the first step, I think. If each of them are willing to do that, then we can say, now, how can we make it better in the future? And we begin
1: to work on that. Uh, Dr. Chapman, are there new challenges to relationships today? Are there different pressures coming on couples today that perhaps you weren't looking at and facing uh, decades ago?
0: Well, I think technology, which we would hope would enhance relationships, sometimes gets in the way of relationships. Mm. You know, I sometimes go into a restaurant and I see a couple sitting there looking at each uh, across the table. Each of them have their phone out looking at their phone rather than talking to each <laughs> other. <laughs> And I'm thinking, hmm, why are they wasting their money here?
1: (laughs) And do you think that really does have a negative impact on odd relationships? Yeah.
0: I think it does, because normally, without the phone and all of that, we would be talking to each other. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that's true. And I think, obviously, also pornography is much more accessible today than it was, you know, before all the technology came out. And and that can be very destructive to a marriage as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the technology and different aspects of that and are taking so much time. Like I have wives say to me, how can my husband spend so many hours playing video games? Hmm. I mean, you know, she just finds that he's wasting his time. Well, he enjoys it. You know, maybe earlier he would have been a golfer Hmm. (laughs) and wasted his time playing golf. (laughs) But so but that's why, again, the love language is so important, because. If they're meeting each other's need for love, they can give each other freedom to have different, you know, hobbies, let's say, that they might do, uh, you know, with, with friends or, or things that they may golfing with other people. So, uh, but I, I do think that technology, which it can be a help, hmm. you know, because if I'm on the road traveling, I can send my wife, you know, pictures of where I am. Mm-hmm. I can talk to her on the phone looking at her and talk to her. I mean, so there's a lot of positive things about technology. I'm not anti-technology. I'm just saying I do think it's something we're facing today that we didn't face earlier.
1: Dr. Chapman, it's been a great privilege talking to you. I'm sure the words that you've spoken tonight are going to help people. I'm sure people are going to get a lot more help if they perhaps uh, read some of your books, the Five Love Language series. One of the, is it 60 books you said you've written? And uh, yes. <laughs> I'm sure if you get your hands on them, then it'll greatly enhance everyone's relationships. Uh, and I wish you all the best for uh, your the work going forward. You've, uh, at 86, you look like you've got many, many years still go, just to go and uh, uh, of useful work. So thank you very much for taking the time. Well, thank you, John. Good to be with you. This is Real Life. I'm John Cowan. Looking forward to being back with you again next Sunday night.